What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Action Network Podcast. That's when you have fun. When you're kicking somebody's ass and they're sucking for win. That was good. Ready? Go. Inbounder on the baseline. Foul. And a steal. Last chance to do Way outside. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is the Giffen Guide to March Madness. I'm Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network, and I'm here to talk you through a fun way to bet March Madness. I've used this system for several years to have just a fun sweat, and this system is designed to have plenty of upside in your betting results while limiting your losses to a manageable two units. All while getting to sweat plenty of underdogs during the tournament. I mean, who doesn't love a good underdog story, right? So let's get into the overview of this system. And then I will give you my eight picks for this year's Giffen Guide to March Madness. All right, so let's start with a little explainer. And the way I'm going to do this is let's imagine we're flipping a coin, right? A coin has a 50-50 outcome. A fair coin has a 50-50 outcome. So let's put $25 on each coin flip. If you treat the NCAA tournament kind of like a series of coin flips, then if you bet a $25 bet on an even money team versus another team, if they win, you double that money, right? You'd win your $25 back plus the $25 you won for winning that. Then you'd have 50 bucks. And then let's flip another coin, right? So let's say we got heads and we won. Flip another coin and we get heads again, then that $50 we bet now turns into $100. Well, if you do this every single time, it's called rolling it up uh, or rolling over your winnings. If you rolled up your winnings every single time, plus your original bet on even money bets all the way through the tournament, your initial $25 investment would turn into $1,600 if your team won at all. Or, you know, if you were to get... Uh, several straight coin flips of heads in a row. So that's the idea here is, uh, you know, if, if you do that, that $25 turns into 1600 bucks, that's 64 to one odds. So uh, that number seems pretty nice, but suddenly let's say we pick an underdog team, then we're no longer getting even money, right? We're, we're no longer flipping a, a fair coin. We're flipping a weighted coin. So if you get an underdog team through pretty far in the tournament, especially if they were to win it all, then all of a sudden you get much longer than 64 to one odds. And if you just bet that team's future to win the tournament, you would not get as good result just betting on their future as rolling them up money line every game. Let's use an example from this year's tournament. So Iowa is an eight seed in the Midwest and currently they are even money versus the nine seed Auburn to win that game. So if you bet $25 on Iowa and they win, you'd get your $25 back plus the $25 uh, for winning even money against Auburn. Then they would likely 
be an underdog because their next game would probably almost surely be against number one seed Houston, barring a 116 upset there. So they'd likely be a significant underdog in their in their game against Houston. If they somehow won that, they're probably going to be an underdog in their Sweet 16 game and so forth and so on. So if you get Iowa to win the national championship using this method, you're going to get much better than 80 to one to win it all because of the significant underdog they'll be first of all versus Houston. And then the underdog money you'll get as they get further and further in the tournament, as they face better and better teams as well. But just by betting their future right now, it is 80 to one. So, you know, you're not getting as good of an investment on Iowa by betting them to win the national championship as you would be to just bet the money line and roll it up every game. Now, I use Iowa as an example here because they're not a team I'm picking. I do not recommend betting them in this system or or as a future to win the national championship, but I wanted to give you an idea because uh, it explains the system very well. They're a team that you're going to get at least even money on probably in every single game in this tournament. So by using this system, you get them much longer than 80 to 1 to win the tournament instead of betting their future at 80 to 1. So that's kind of the idea of this system. And I have used this system in four years in the past. In 2017, I was able to identify 11 seed Xavier and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, in 2018, I got another 11 seed Loyola to the Elite Eight. And that Loyola team actually ended up making it to the Final Four as well. I cashed out on them in the Elite Eight, but they did make it to the Final Four. And then in 2019, I took the five seed Auburn and they also made it to the final four. 2020 was the COVID year. 2021, uh, I didn't really want to bet on because of all the craziness from COVID uh, still going on with players missing and team, you know, throughout the season. I felt like it didn't make my power ratings quite as accurate. So I sat out 2021 as well. Last year for 2022, unfortunately, obviously the system doesn't work every time. Uh, we won one out of the nine games, right? We bet on eight teams and we did hit uh, the play-in game with Indiana, but then they lost in the first round. So uh, very bad year last year, but hey, that happens. At least we limit our losses to two units doing this system. So let's get into an overview in the system. How does it work? What exactly are we doing? For this system, we're going to pick eight teams in this tournament. Ideally, these eight teams that we pick are going to be five seed or higher. Uh, and, and it's even better, you know, if they're beyond like a, a, an eight seed or a nine seed, because then we're going to typically get them at significant plus money odds on the money line in these games. So ideally, in a perfect world with a 64 team bracket, there are eight eighths of the bracket, the top half and the bottom half of each region uh, would give us eight quadrants, not quadrants, eight eighths of the bracket. Uh, so that way, if we get all eight teams, you know, to the elite eight, they would finally face each other in the elite eight instead of beforehand. Uh, but that typically doesn't work out because there are certain brackets, certain eights of the region that are much stronger than others where underdog value I don't find. So if we do pick two teams from the same eighth of the bracket where they would face each other before the elite eight we try to target them facing each other in the sweet sweet 16 and if we do get them to face each other in the sweet 16 well then that's great because we won in the first round 
We won in the second round with both of those teams. So when they face each other, we can just cash out the profits there and essentially lock ourselves in to having at least a neutral betting system for this year, you know, at least breaking even. Um, so if that happens, that's totally fine. Uh, it's also likely that, you know, one of those teams loses and, and we can still just roll one of these teams to the elite eight anyway, if they get there. So the overall goal of this system is to guarantee a profit by getting one of our eight teams into the elite eight, or, you know, to is a backup circumstance to have two of our teams face each other and cash out those profits there. But the overall goal is to get just one, just all we need is one Cinderella story, one team to make the elite eight out of our eight picks and that'll get us a profit uh, and sometimes potentially a very significant profit depending on how much of an underdog that team is that gets to the elite eight. So how do we do this? How do we go about identifying the eight teams? Well, I use a bunch of metrics and uh, because of course at Action Network, I'm a predictive analyst and I do a lot of different sports. I'm not going to do all the work myself. I'm going to let other people do the work for me. And what I, what I mean by that is there are tons of computer uh, or rating systems out there, right? A, a lot of the common ones are Ken Palm, for example. Uh, people will always reference Ken Palm. Well, what I do is, and I do include Ken Palm, is I build my own power rating system by ensembling the most predictive ranking systems together. So I'm not looking at ones that explain past wins well. Just because a team is, you know, 28 and 2 doesn't mean they should be a 28 and 2 team. Maybe they've gotten very lucky with some of their wins. They've won a bunch of close ones and then their losses were blowouts or or maybe it just depends on the strength of the schedule. So the idea is I'm taking the ones that are the most predictive, forward-looking and ensembling them to them together and then I'm adjusting those for injuries, right? Because uh, certain teams may look really strong. Tennessee is an example from this year. They're a very strong team by ensembling ranking systems together, but they do have one of their best players out with injury. So I need to adjust them downward for injury. So I have a way of doing that as well. And by ensembling all of these predictive ranking systems together, what we do is we smooth out the rough edges in any one ranking system. So uh, each ranking system will have its own blind spots, teams that they're too low on, teams that they're too high on. Uh, but by ensembling them together, the most predictive ones, we can get a nice, really accurate uh, measurement of team strength. Then, you know, that's not just the only thing I use. I still want to dive into the particular matchups themselves. And one thing I love to do when I'm taking underdogs is I love to look at pace of play. Every team plays at their own pace, right? Alabama, they play at a breakneck speed. Virginia, they play at a slow plodding pace. Well, what that means is when teams play at a slower pace, there are fewer overall possessions. And when that happens... All of a sudden, those teams that are favored have fewer possessions to assert their dominance, to assert their efficiency advantage, right? If Just imagine a one-possession game. You have the tip-off, and the first team to score wins. Yeah, that would be almost a coin flip in nearly every game. So uh, that goes to show why more possessions uh, is better for a favored team because they have more opportunities to assert their efficiency. 
but fewer possessions uh, helps an underdog story. So that's definitely one of the things I will look at as well, aside from just power ratings. Another thing I like to look at is something that increases variance for an underdog or for a favorite reduces variance. And some of those things could be three-point shooting. If uh, if a underdog team is a particularly strong three-point shooting team or they're facing a particularly weak three-point shooting defense, that may help us. Uh, it, another thing that could be the situation would be foul trouble potential. Does the favored team have uh, the potential to get into foul trouble and remove some of their best players? Uh, or uh, on the flip side, does is the favored team a poor foul shooting team? If they're ahead by a little bit late in the game, you know they start missing some of those free throws. That that definitely gives uh, a little bit of extra variance toward the underdog here. So these are just some of the metrics that I'm using when I'm trying to pick my eight teams. Uh, the other thing is just looking at particularly this year, we, we have to look at the team. So using those metrics that I've looked at, we have some pretty tough sections of the bracket. And for me, the most challenging one eighth of the bracket is the UCLA Gonzaga eighth of the bracket. UCLA should be a one seed and Gonzaga should be a two seed by my power rating. So we have the strongest two seed and the strongest three seed in the same eighth of the bracket. And we don't have any particularly strong underdog teams in that eighth of the bracket. So I am avoiding that eighth of the bracket. That means we need to double up somewhere else. So there's another eighth of the bracket that I'm avoiding, and that is the Alabama eighth of the bracket as well. I mentioned their breakneck tempo and their number two overall in my power ratings. It's a, it's a good section of the bracket to avoid, which means I need to double up again in another eighth of the bracket. But even with one of those double ups, you'll see it actually works out kind of nicely because we will still avoid potential Sweet 16 matchup because I will be picking one of those teams in a play-in game. We don't necessarily have to get them to the Elite Eight. We can get them to the Sweet 16. So before we get into my picks, I just want to remind you all, this is my system. These are my picks. Um, I, you can tweak this any way you want. You can pick fewer teams. You can pick more teams, uh, although I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend more than eight getting to the Elite Eight. Uh, but you don't have to tail my picks. You don't have to tail my exact teams. Uh, if you like certain teams for certain reasons, I'm totally for that. I've had a tough time picking a couple of these, and I'll, I'll talk talk about those situations that I think were pretty tough. And I would be very, very totally okay with you flipping and, and, and taking the other team in these spots. So these are just my eight picks for the Giffen guide to March madness. So let's dive right in. We're going to start in the South region here. Uh, and as I mentioned, we're going to avoid Alabama's eighth of the bracket. So what that means is we're going to be doubling up on Arizona, the two seeds, eighth of the bracket here. And we're going to start with Creighton, the sixth seed in the South. My power ratings love Creighton. They say Creighton should be a borderline at three to four seed. If you just line up all the 68 teams in this tournament, right? They're around the 12th or the 13th best team in my power ratings in this tournament. So that would put them ordinarily, if you just seeded the teams off my power ratings as a borderline three or four seed here for Creighton. So at a six seed, people often look at that number. Betting markets even often look at that number and uh, will adjust to that because that's where the public 
public money tends to come in on. So the fact that they should be a three or four seed, but they're a six seed, we probably can get them at some good underdog money in the later rounds. But in that first round, they do face NC State. Uh, my Wolfpack, I went to grad school at NC State. So uh, just a little note there. I have no bias in these picks because I am picking against my Wolfpack in the very first pick of the Giffen Guide to March Madness. Now, NC State is a great 11 seed matchup for Creighton. NC State has not had many good wins this year. Their best win is against Duke, but it was at home. On the road or a neutral site, they do not have any top 100 wins. So uh, not looking particularly elite here for NC State. Uh, the other thing is NC State is a bit up-tempo, which is good for the favored team, which is Creighton. Of course, Creighton the six seed versus the 11 seed, and Creighton one of my strongest teams uh, for a six seed, the strongest six seed. The more possessions they have, the better it is for their efficiency advantage to set in. So I love the matchup here versus NC State. I love the up-tempo pace. So I think they definitely get it done versus NC State. In the second round, Baylor is the three seed in their eighth of the bracket, and they would end up facing Baylor if Baylor wins. But I have Creighton and Baylor literally back-to-back -back in my power rankings. So I mentioned, right, that, that Creighton should be a borderline 3-4 seed. Well, Baylor is also a borderline 3-4 seed for me. So Baylor, just because of the number and just because of the public perception, uh, Baylor will probably be favored by odds makers, but I have this game as a true coin flip. So we can get Creighton here at plus money, which will help us for that rolling it up uh, kind of method here, the system. So if they make it past Baylor or whoever they face there, then Creighton is in the sweet 16 and if things all go according to plan, they would face Arizona as the two seed. But per my power rankings, Arizona is more like a mid three seed team. So my power rankings literally have uh, Arizona, St. Mary's, Baylor, and Creighton. So Arizona, Baylor, and Creighton are all really close together to each other in my power rankings in this eighth of the bracket. So again, this is pretty close to a coin flip here. Uh, and that would be if they face Arizona. Now, Arizona, there certainly is opportunity for them to, to lose, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But if they do play Arizona, they get a, a kind of a weaker two seed here. So I'd have uh, you know Creighton pretty much even money here versus Arizona as well, but we'll definitely get plus money on this one. So how are we playing Creighton? Uh, in the first round against NC State, I'm going to take Creighton on the spread minus five against NC State. That way we're not laying significant minus money. We want them to cover the spread of minus five in the first round. So if they don't, we count them as out. Even if they win by one or two or three, we count them as out per this system because we lost our $25 investment or whatever dollar amount you want to make it. Uh, you know, if you want to just do 10 bucks on each team and have $80 invested, that's it. And you And, and that's the nice thing about this system you just lose 80 bucks, uh, but it has the potential to turn into, you know, a couple hundred dollars, for, for example. So we're playing Creighton to cover the spread in the first round against NC State. And then we're playing a money line in the second round and money line in the Sweet 16 to make the Elite Eight. All right, that's our first team. Our second team, and this is a double up spot. We are going to take Utah State in that bottom ha uh, half of the South bracket 
it as well. Utah State is the 10 seed here, and they are one of the most underseeded teams in the whole tournament. They should be a seven seed per my power rankings. And in their first round matchup, they face Missouri, who is one of the most overseeded teams. Missouri should be an 11 seed per my power ratings, which if you heard that, you know, Utah State should be a seven. Missouri should be an 11. I have Utah State favored in this matchup. And, you know, odds makers do have Utah State favored, but they have them at about a one to a one and a half point favorite. I have Utah State as a three-point favorite here. So we're getting significant value here, uh, a point and a half or even up to two points, depending, you know, where you get your, your odds. So this is a very good spot for Utah State. We can still play them on the money line because it is close enough to a coin flip. It might, you know, might be like minus, minus 120, minus 125 or something like that. But that's enough because there'll be an underdog most likely in their later games that I'm totally cool with, uh, you know, uh, playing a money line in the first round game. If they do get past Missouri in the first round, they are likely to face Arizona. As we talked about, Arizona is a two seed that grades out more like a three seed. Also, there's no regional advantage for Arizona by playing in Sacramento. You know, Utah State is close enough to Sacramento, Arizona, close enough to Sacramento that we're not really talking about you know, traveling across the country or anything like that. Arizona is also not a good free throw shooting team. So if they are ahead, uh, it, there is potential for them to miss some free throws and give Utah State a couple opportunities there in a late close game. Arizona also not great at defending the three, which is Utah State's strength. So this increases the variance, which is exactly what we want from an underdog in this spot. Utah State is the 11th best three-point percentage shooting team in the nation, and they attempt 42% of their field goals from three compared to a national average of 37.3%. So they're not only good at making threes, but they're launching them left and right. Meanwhile, Arizona allows just over a third of the points scored against them by way of the three ball compared to a 30.8% national average. That's like 3% above the national average. So definitely an increased variant spot here for Utah State. Going into the Sweet 16, if they advance past the round, the second round here, uh, they would get that potential Baylor Creighton, uh, you know, eighth or quarter of the bracket there, I should say. And while those aren't ideal matchups, you know, Baylor and Creighton are both pretty strong. We do have the fact that if they do face Creighton, we get to cash out. So that's great. Now, if they face Baylor, in particular, Baylor has been very lucky at the Action Network. I do something called our luck rankings for the NFL. Well, Ken Pomeroy at KenPom.com has luck rankings for NCAA basketball, and Baylor has been incredibly lucky with their win-loss percentage, despite having double-digit losses. Uh, so, you know, there's a very real opportunity that they could beat Baylor here if they do face Baylor. Baylor especially has had some inconsistent play from Adam Flagler. I noticed when Adam Flagler has had some down games, Baylor has tended to lose. And you know why I know that? Because I've bet on it. Adam Flagler's overs in some player props a few times, and he's let me down every single time. So I'm very personally attuned to that situation there. So overall, how are we playing Utah State? We're just going to play a money line all the way up to the Sweet 16. Hopefully we can cash out that Utah State Creighton uh, opportunity here. But if Utah State faces somebody other than Creighton, we're just going to money line them all the way to the Elite Eight. So that gets us through the South region uh, we have three picks overall, sorry, two picks overall from the South region. We're not picking anything from the top half. So let's move on now to the Midwest region. 
I really uh, think this Midwest region on the top half is kind of tough because we do have Houston, who I have as the number one overall team in my power rankings. But I think there's an angle here. So my third pick is going to be from that top half of the Midwest region. I'm going to take the 12 seed Drake. Drake is the strongest 12 seed in this bracket for me. And, and I, I don't think it's a, a question here. They're definitely the strongest 12 seed. You could, you could make an argument for Charleston, but my power ratings have Drake a full point better than Charleston in a neutral matchup. Should the two teams ever face off in the first round, Drake will face Miami and Miami is the weakest five seed here. Uh, so we get the strongest 12 versus the weakest five. And we all know how those five 12 matchups go, right? It always seems like every year is at least one or two 12 seeds winning. This is my pick for the best 12, five upset. My power ratings make Miami closer to one and a half to two point favorite rather than the two and a half points. The market is making Miami. So I actually have Drake a little more likely to win than the market is making. So definitely a great money line play here. We're going to get plus odds on Drake to win this matchup. If they do beat Miami, they would, if things go according to plan, face Indiana as the four seed here, but Indiana actually grades out closer to a six to seven seed rather than a four. So again, a week four here. So we get a week five and a week four in this portion of the bracket. So I really like that. We'd get plus money odds against Indiana as well. And if they face Kent state, it's nearly a, you know, not nearly a coin flip. Drake would certainly be favored, but it's close enough to a coin flip where if we play a money line, it would be like minus 125 probably, uh, which is totally fine because we're getting that plus 125 or so versus Miami. So that would even out to be, you know, we just essentially uh, at that point quadruple our money from our initial investment to four times that amount should Drake get to the Sweet 16. Now, if they do get to the Sweet 16, Houston is obviously a tough out as the best overall team in my power ratings. But there is one little catch here. Houston plays at a very slow pace. And Drake also plays at a slightly slower pace than a national average. So when the two teams face each other, that means we'll have a, a low possession game, which doesn't give as many possessions for Houston to assert their dominance. Now, if this were an average paced game, I'd have Houston a 12 point favorite, but at the projected pace, Houston would just be about a 10 point favorite. So you can see how that keeps things a little bit closer here. So there's also the possibility with Houston's slow pace of play. Think about Virginia a few years ago when they lost UMBC in the first round as the one seed. There is a possibility Houston is out after the second round, uh, either in the first round or the second round. Now, obviously, probably not the first round, but it's certainly a possibility. I do have that at around a 4% chance. But then they face Iowa or Auburn, who certainly would have a much better opportunity than Northern Texas. So there is a possibility Houston is out just because of the pace of play they play. And then you could get Drake versus maybe an Auburn or an Iowa, where it would be a much better matchup for them. So how are we going to play Drake here? We're going to money line them to the Sweet 16. If they beat, and it has to be this exact scenario, if they beat both Miami and if they beat Indiana, so not if they play Kent State, but if they beat Miami and they beat Indiana, we can cash out if they play Houston. Not if they play another team, but if they play Houston. So this exact scenario, if they if they beat Miami and they beat Indiana, then they play Houston, we will cash them out there at the Sweet 16 instead of rolling them to the Elite Eight. Otherwise, we're going to money line them to the Elite Eight in any other scenario. Like, for example, if they play Kent State in the second round, 
round, or if they play Iowa or Auburn in the Sweet 16, then we'll just money line Drake all the way to the Elite Eight. So that's how I'm going to play the third pick here, Drake. Going to the other side of the Midwest, I'm going to take Mississippi State, and they're the 11 seed. And this is the situation I'm talking about here. They're in the play-in game. So, you know, I, I think this is a nice spot because we don't need to get them to the Elite Eight where they could potentially face, uh, you know, a, a tougher tougher team like Texas. All we need to do is get them to the Sweet 16 to be profitable here. I have Mississippi State as the second best 11th seed in this tournament, and they are playing one of the worst 11 seeds in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and in this spot, I have them favored over Pittsburgh. So what we'll do here, because this is close enough, we can just money line them in this game versus Pittsburgh. We don't necessarily have to take them uh, to cover the spread here. So we're going to we're gonna take Mississippi State over Pittsburgh because I have Mississippi State as the better 11 seed here. Then in the first round, uh, if Mississippi State wins, they will play Iowa State. And this is the coolest, essentially the coolest, one of the coolest games in NCAA tournament history if this happens. Uh, these two teams may combine for one of the lowest totals all time in, you know, past couple decades. I shouldn't say all time because, you know, uh, different shot clock errors. But in the current shot clock um, you know, configuration. This may be one of the lowest totals of all time in the tournament. We've got two incredibly slow paced teams out of 363 teams, Iowa state and Mississippi state would rank 326 and 334th in pace of play. We also have two top eight defenses, sixth and eighth best defensive efficiency per Ken Palm. And then we have two mediocre offenses. If we just look at the at-large teams, these are two of the bottom three teams in offense efficiency. So that means we're getting a really low scoring game here. And when that happens, a slow pace, low scoring game, this game could go either way. I actually think while I do have uh, you know, Iowa State favored by about a point here, I, I really truly think this is a coin flip of a game. Iowa State is a bad six seed. I actually have them as an eight seed. So this is an ideal situation for Mississippi State against Iowa State. Then if they win that in the second round, they would play Xavier. Xavier's a weak seat, three seed. I have them almost a five seed here. So almost two seeds. They're like borderline four, five here. And Xavier, of course, is without Zach Fremantle. He's missed uh, about the past 10 games or so. So definitely getting a week six and a week three is a great spot for an 11 seed. We're going to money line them all the way to the Sweet 16. And we could even make a decision if they're in the Sweet 16 and they face, let's say, Texas A&M or, or Penn State uh, or Colgate, I guess. Uh, although I don't foresee Colgate making the Sweet 16. But if they face Texas A&M or Penn State, we could even money line them all the way to the Elite Eight if we want to. Or if you're happy with cashing out your profits, you can cash out your profits. I wouldn't money line them to the Elite Eight if they did face Texas, though. I have Texas much better here. All right. So that completes the Midwest region. We have four picks under our belt. Let's go to the West region where, because this is an absolutely brutal region, I just have one pick from the West. Remember I said, we're avoiding the UCLA Gonzaga eighth of the bracket. We talked about that the best two and the best three seed and no really strong underdogs. So instead we're going to look at the Kansas half of the bracket. And I personally, am going to go with Arkansas. I think you could go with Illinois here. I think you could go with VCU here. I think you could go with UConn here. I know I try to take five seeds or longer, but I think you could take 
UConn to cover the spread in the first round and then money line them after that if you wanted to. This is an incredibly loaded portion of the bracket, but I am going to pick Arkansas simply because they are one of my most underseeded teams in the whole bracket, even more so than UConn, even more so than St. Mary's. So that's why I'm sticking this 8-9 matchup, Arkansas versus Illinois. Arkansas, I have as the better team here, so I'm just going to take them. Arkansas also is in a spot where they are up-tempo, help them push that efficiency versus Illinois. So I'm going to take them here. They would almost surely get Kansas, who is a pretty weak one seed. Uh, you know, I have Kansas as, as a lower two seed, actually, in my power ratings. Kansas, I have as the seventh best team in this tournament in my power ratings. So a really nice spot to get Kansas, where I think they have a good chance to upset Kansas. We would definitely get plus money there. So the way to play Arkansas is just money line them the whole time. So that's it for the West region. We're not even doubling up here. We just have that one pick because this is an absolutely brutal region. So our final three picks are all going to come from the South region. And there's a lot of goodness here. We've got Purdue as the weakest one seed. We've got Marquette as the weakest two seed. We've got Kansas State as the weakest three seed. So this is a really, really good opportunity to pick some underdogs in the South. And that's why... Uh, we have three picks here. We're going to have a double up spot as well. But in the top half of this bracket, the Purdue half of the bracket, I'm going to take Florida Atlantic. I definitely understand if you want to take Memphis as well. Um, but I'm going to take Florida Atlantic mainly because uh, I think this is just a spot where the market is overcorrecting here for Memphis. I have Florida Atlantic as the best nine seed. They should be an eight seed. And while I think Memphis is a very good eight seed, again, it's just all about value in this matchup. And I think the matchup itself kind of sets up well. Florida Atlantic is a great three-point shooting team. And Memphis allows a 42.9% three-point attempt ratio per total field goals. So 42.9% of the, the field goals attempted against Memphis are three-pointers. That's 31st highest in the nation. That's going to increase variance for the underdog Florida Atlantic here. So again, I definitely don't mind if you roll with Memphis here. They're a strong eight seed. I'm playing Florida Atlantic because I have uh, Memphis as a one at most one and a half point favorite. And the market is giving us two and a half points on Florida Atlantic. So that means even on the money line, we're getting better value here. So I'm going to take Florida Atlantic just for the value here. Um, but I could see, you know, if you want to go different from me here, I could definitely see you wanting to take Memphis. In the second round, they get Purdue, who I mentioned is the worst one seed. And Purdue, that's nice because even though they're the more efficient team, they play at a super plotting pace, which is awesome. And between Memphis, another reason I like Florida Atlantic, between Memphis and Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic themselves are the slower paced team. So we'd really keep the possessions down here to about 65 and a half possessions versus a 67 and a half almost national average between Purdue and Florida Atlantic. Then on to the Sweet 16. Uh, if things go according to plan, you know, Florida Atlantic would get either Duke or Tennessee, Tennessee, the four seed and Duke, the five seed. And I do have Tennessee as a very strong four seed, but the problem is Tennessee is suffering a little bit of injury issue here. Zakai Ziegler is out and he is the guy that, uh, you know, has, has contributed so much to this team, one of their best players. So uh, you have to knock them down for that for sure. 
And then, uh, you know, obviously Duke, they're, they're barely favored over Florida Atlantic in my power ratings. But because of all the, just the national love for Duke, uh, we'd actually get Florida Atlantic probably at a decent plus money price here. So uh, I think this is a good spot to just take Florida Atlantic. I think this is, you know, of all of these, I think this is one that is arguably the most questionable, but it also, I think, has a lot of the most value. Uh, so I think this is a good spot to take Florida Atlantic. Certainly don't mind if you take Memphis. I don't even mind if you take Duke as long as you take them spread in the first round and then money line them if they play Tennessee. But but I do think with Tennessee's injury concerns, there's a chance Duke plays Oral Roberts and plays Louisiana. And I don't love that spot uh, because it wouldn't necessarily – we'd have to have Duke cover the spread then in the – Louisiana game as well. So I don't want to do that. I'd rather just do the money line system. Give us a much higher upside here in terms of our total units one, in terms of our total dollars one, and roll with Florida Atlantic. All right, on to my seventh pick. I'm going to take Providence. We're going to the bottom half now. This is the double up spot. We're going to pick two teams from this bottom half of the East region. We take Providence as the 11 seed. I have them as the best overall 11th seed. They really should be a 10 seed. And while they do have a tough matchup in the first round against Kentucky, I've got this line at two and a half tops instead of the four that you can currently get. Uh, you know, so Kentucky really should only be a two and a half point favorite, not a four point favorite. That means same is going to apply to the money line. We're going to get better plus odds on Providence than they probably should be. So Providence and Kentucky, they also both play at slower paces, which will help keep the, the overall possessions down, reducing the opportunity for Kentucky to assert their efficiency advantage. And this really reminds me of Vanderbilt versus Kentucky. Vanderbilt won both of their matchups versus Kentucky this year. Uh, very similar paces of play between Vandy and Providence. Very similar offensive and defensive efficiencies between Vandy and Providence. So I think this is a situation where Providence, uh, you know, could surprise Kentucky a little bit. Providence, a pretty decent three-point shooting team as well, uh, which helps increase that variance. So I'm going to roll with Providence here, although I do like Kentucky in the system as well. You could take them uh, to to money line or cover the spread versus Providence. Pick your, pick your poison there because that three-seed matchup in the second round is really good versus Kansas State, should it be Kansas State. Now, if it's not Kansas State, it's going to be Montana State, and that's fine because Providence isn't going to be a monstrous favorite versus Montana State. They'll be a favorite, um, but I think it's an opportunity where we could potentially just uh, take Providence on to cover the spread there. Could potentially still money line them, uh, depending on what's happening with Marquette, for example. If Marquette is still alive, we could money line Providence even versus Montana State. But... We'll play it out. We'll see how it goes. But Kansas State, by far the worst three seed. So if Providence does face Kansas State, uh, you know, I think this is a really good situation. Kansas State is a borderline five or six seed per my power rating. So, um, you know, we're getting what is a decent, you know, borderline five, six seed for Kentucky. And then we're getting a borderline five, six seed versus Kansas State when they're actually a three seed. So I think we're going to get some nice value there as well uh, on Providence money line. Then if they make the Sweet 16, they would get the worst two-seeded Marquette. And uh, there's a good chance they don't even have to play Marquette. They could play somebody with a better shot to beat uh, like Michigan State or USC or even maybe Vermont as the 15 seed. So really good situation for, for Providence should they get past Kentucky. So we're going to money line Providence all the way to the Elite Eight. 
it, no matter who they play, uh, even if they end up playing Montana State, I, I think we probably were just going to money line them there. I guess the only way we wouldn't is if somehow the favorites kind of chalk out here uh, and they face Montana State. But even then, probably still money line them. All right, on to our final pick for the Giffen Guide to March Madness. And again, another one I struggled with here. Uh, I could definitely see uh, Michigan State being the one here, but I'm going to go with USC as the 10 seed here instead of Michigan State. But I, I like I like Providence, I like Kentucky, I like Michigan State, and I like UNC or USC Southern Cal here because I think Marquette is just so weak and Kansas State is so weak. You could pick your favorites from this eighth of the, this eighth of the bracket, and hopefully they end up meeting each other in the Sweet 16, right? So hopefully I'm getting Providence to meet whoever it is that I pick. And I'm picking USC as the 10 seed here. I have USC as a borderline nine or 10 seed. So very good 10 seed. Uh, and, you know, they're facing Michigan state in this first round. And I do have this as a coin flip at a neutral venue. I mean, these two teams are so close in my power ratings, you know, maybe Michigan by half a point here. Um, but I essentially I have them as a coin flip in a neutral site. Now, this is kind of a semi-home game for Michigan State, as it will be in Columbus, Ohio, and USC is going to have to travel uh, all the way to Columbus, but it just makes it a semi-home, which isn't enough to make Michigan State kind of a, a home court advantage. Plus, it's not their home court, so there's just some things you kind of have to get used to uh, of it being a different court, being away from home. So it's just semi-home, so I don't have that as quite enough an advantage to get Michigan State to a two-point favorite. So there is a little bit of value on USC on the money line here. Should they get past Michigan State? Again, really like them facing Marquette. Worst two seed and also a chance, you know, Marquette loses to Vermont. But even then, uh, I have Marquette as the worst two seed. So we can take USC money line there. And then again, they'd face Kentucky, Providence, or Kansas State. Uh, and I think all of those are totally fine opportunities for USC. They'd be at worst uh, a, a coin flip to some of these teams uh, and definitely a plus money line dog here. So we're just going to money line them all the way to the elite eight, unless of course they face Providence. So we're picking some underdogs. we got some Cinderella stories to root for. We're going to limit our losses to two units with the potential for some great upside. So depending on how this weekend goes, we'll probably be back next week to update you on how the system has performed so far and to give a little bit of advice on how to roll the system forward through to the Elite Eight. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This has been the Giffen Guide to March Madness. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.